All right, fam, we have a new partner that you can support, and you're going to love this one. They're called Zoom Care. The one great thing that we can all take away from this pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of your own home. Nobody likes sitting in a doctor's office or even going to the doctor, for that matter. I know I sure don't, but we all need to take care of ourselves. So what is video care? Video care is like a trip to Zoom Care just from your couch. You can see, hear, and chat with your doctor just like in a traditional office visit. Get secure access to urgent primary and specialist care, including mental health. Video care is covered by most private insurers, usually with copay. Visit zoomcare.com to get started. That's Z O O M C A R E.com. There's nothing better than getting a diagnosis from your doc while sitting in your own living room. You can help them and us out a great deal today by checking out zoomcare.com for all the details you need. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase for first-time users. DNVR25 for 25% off for second-time users of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons coming to us live from inside a picture of spring training. <laughs> Pretty much. This is why you got to be watching live so you can see all the new technologies from 2014. We've got them here, baby. We've got them. Right. If you're not subscribing to the YouTube, you're not joining us here on the YouTube almost daily at this point, having fun out here, clicking on that bell icon to know when we go live, you're missing the visuals. Uh, and of course, we're giving priority to all the chats coming to us from the YouTube these days. And today we're going to be talking false narratives when it comes to your Colorado mm. Rockies, or at least that's going to get the uh, the most of the conversation there. It's going to be my top 10 list of false narratives. I want to say that up top. There's going to be some debate back and forth. There's subjectivity involved in this. And that's part of, first of all, any list of any ranking of anything, anytime, anywhere in the world. But it's going to be a whole lot of fun to see where we kind of line up on this, where you in the comments, let us know which of these narratives bother you the most, which of them you think actually are more rooted in truth. And we'll start in a minute with the ones uh, that we just kind of admit, hey, look, these are narratives that follow the Rockies, but they earned all these. Uh, and one or two that might even be good. Uh, before that, Patrick, real quick, just update on where the Rockies are at right now in spring training. I, it's still too early for us to be diving, I think, headlong into this, why we're talking narratives today. But uh, your guy, everyone's guy, really, I think the guy of spring training as of right now is Jamison Hanna, right? Just hit a three-run home run, second to go to tie the game up. He's making, it seems like, a sliding catch per game. Nice, fun little story here. It's nice for Rockies fans to have something to just kind of latch onto and root for. Right now, it seems like Jamison Hannah. Why not? And he's doing it against his old team, which you like to see that against the yep. Cincinnati Reds. Because earlier in the game, Jeff Hoffman was doing it to the Rockies. So you know what? Turnabout yeah. is fair play. Yeah. But Hannah's Hannah's been the darling. There's been a couple other uh, you know bright spots. We saw Casey Golden as a game day call up, a guy that's nice. one of those like 
out of the top 30, maybe even out of the top 40 prospects that I've always kind of really liked, similar to Alan Trejo. He also having a nice things. spring. Absolutely. Yeah, I get a lot getting a lot of praise from the on the Reds broadcast. Um, so we're gonna be doing some stuff with the with the prospects coming up in uh, in the next couple of weeks. But the Rockies are there's more positive to say than negative. I think, you know, when your back's up against the wall and everyone's talking about you losing hundred games, there is gonna be a lot more positive. Um, but at the same time, you know what, there is there is some some positives, you know, to this roster and, and we're seeing the team kind of grind it out and and every time you have a Philip Deal giving up five runs and five <laughs> yeah. hits, he goes around and gets the final three outs of a of a one nothing game against the White Sox against the guy that I tabbed as a potential MVP candidate in Eloy Jimenez, That's one right. of the top uh, power hitting prospects in all the minor leagues, Andrew Vaughn, and a third hitter and getting the first save for the Rockies. So again, these statistics, all of it should be taken with a grain of salt, but uh, spring training has actually been delivering. It's been a, a lot more enjoyable than maybe I would have anticipated. It, it's fun learning a new guy every day, or again, we know them. We know these guys, Drew. But sure. it's fun to to dream on these guys because we know them to be good ball players. but then to see it kind of all come together in certain moments and go, shoot, okay, this guy might be a little bit better than we had anticipated. It, it definitely makes worth uh, watching spring training each and every day. Yeah. Will with a, a good point here. And Will, we got to get you over to the YouTube side. We got to figure that out. Well, we'll work on it. But uh, making a great point, Castellani, this is the only other thing I want to talk about today. Castellani on the bad side of things, Freeland on the good side of things. Um, if anyone's stock is down, down, down right now for the Rockies, it is Ryan Castellani. Uh, the bad news and the good news are both the same thing, which is that uh, he's right outside the Rockies rotation. So the bad news is he's the best of your depth and that looks terrible right now. But the good news is as healthy as constituted, this is a problem. The Rockies have a little bit of time to figure out because Austin Gomber is your fifth rotation guy. And so this doesn't really impact your MLB rotation if they're all healthy, but Castellani looking bad along with Derek Rodriguez, nobody else really stepping up yet. Uh, you're just going, okay, if there's one injury, what even what even happens every fifth day there? Right. There's been there's been guys who have pitched well. We saw Ryan Rawlson on, on Sunday, two scoreless innings with his first hey, out. Go right to the kid. Fantastic, because he's a guy that's in that, you know, back five out, out of the top five. He's somewhere in there, seventh, eighth, ninth, whatever it is. Maybe get him get him a little seasoning and down in Albuquerque. We saw Hell Chris Oliveras so far. Hey. Pair of two inning outings. He's not giving up any runs and has been pitching early in the games too. He's not going yeah. in in the seventh and eighth. He's he's getting in there earlier on the third and fourth. So you like seeing that. And again, Herman Marquez, first outing, three innings. Nice. Kyle Freeland today, three innings. Nice. nice. You yeah. like those things. And again, it, it gets you uh gets you a little bit hopeful here in the early going. And and you've got to you got to want the, that news on Antonio Sensatella's hamstring to go a little bit better. I, yeah. I briefly touched on it today in an article uh, that was just published on the DNVR.com about some of the different things going on in spring. There's positives, there's negatives, and there's things that have been somewhere in the middle. And, you know, don't get too high on the positives. Don't get too low on the uh, Absolutely right. And th that's why we're going to move right into our, our primary topic of the day and start talking about narratives and and i'm gonna go ahead and, and toast all of my breck brews and, and i'm still working on the hot peak ipa as you can see went in to get seltzies they were out out at my local king supers sold out seltzies they just must be that delicious apparently 
SOS. <clears throat> SOS. We know what that stands for now. <laughs> That's right. Sold, Sold out, out Celsius. Celsius. Or save our Celsius. I, put I put that on your shirt, Eric. Uh, so uh, still have not been able to try them. I know they're delicious, though. Rave reviews from everybody on Twitter, everybody on the DNVR staff, Honeydew, Cherry, Apple, all that kind of good stuff. You can never go wrong with the traditional beer from Recon- Breckenridge Brew. Damn good beer. Whether you're getting a liquor store, King Supers, Dunkin' Bar, you know the drill at this point. But I got to toast it to... All the people who put in the hard work of creating all of these narratives. Patrick, the team's existed for 28, now 29 years, right? We're going into here. And it's like, uh, there's a lot of things that a lot of people believe about this team uh, very strongly. Some of them totally, totally reasonably, right? Some of them, it's like, how did this become a thing? Uh, what, what, What exactly happened here? And so... Uh, Adam says many people are calling them uh, the boozies. And so uh, that's exactly right. Uh, So getting in here to, as I said, first, we've got to start with some of the narratives that surround the team that are mostly pretty true here. So uh, we'll we'll go through these just a little bit quicker, beginning with them being generally behind the times. Uh, I, I think that's something that's kind of all encompassing and and maybe sometimes things get thrown into that that shouldn't but um whether it's you know we've talked a lot about the analytic just the analytic analytic team um the the answering questions about streaming uh that's you know dick monfort's been pretty terrible about that how to make you know the fan convenience a thing I, i was thinking about this today even the way like they gave todd helton the horse for his retirement which is like cool for Todd Helton, but like the fans are still waiting on their Todd Helton statue, which I'm sure Helton doesn't give a damn, but it's like the fans, you know, come on now. That's, and that's another thing that they do that's on here is, is really not celebrating their own history very well. They've gotten a little bit better about it in the last couple of years with these celebrations, with the, the things like the, anniversary of the 2007 team and and but they're like one day one-off things where they bring everyone to town they they throw a photo op and then they go hey cool this is happening and then they never talk about it again it took them way too long to retire larry walker's number still not retired <laughs> right. he is still not officially tired <laughs> right. and you go you right. go hey let's give him a pass through because of the pandemic and no no you you what happened in in 2019 that um necessitated them retiring his number in 2020 should happen a long time ago. So sure. Yeah. They, they got caught out there and a guy who's uh, been elected to the hall of fame now for going on, you know, 14, 15 months, he hasn't had his number retired. You had a lot of opportunities to do it before that. You're right. It's, it's not celebrating the past, unfortunately. And I think, you know, you, you might even say part of that narrative a narrative is, and this is maybe a, a newer narrative going forward. It's, it's, it's one on, on Dick Monfort and, you know, he's gotten the benefit of the doubt in some places and, and not as much in others. And when the times are going well, you go, well, it's hard to, you know, criticize. But I think the one thing that I, I can kind of see with all of these narratives that we'll get into the false ones today, you know, some of the true ones later on down the road is this idea that I, I don't think there is as much interest in putting uh, emphasis on the past, on the history, on the great Rockies teams because one of the one of the downsides to that happening is a player being bigger than a franchise and that happens at times 
Uh, it's, it's one of the reasons why, you know, to, to use a Yankee example is Don Mattingly, great manager, Dodgers, Marlins, was never offered a job as the manager of the New York Yankees because as a New York Yankee, he would have been bigger than the franchise in that moment. And for the Rockies, I think all of these, you know, great players, they could be, be seen as larger than the Rockies and thus maybe having more power over the Rockies fandom and, and more power over the Rockies front office. And that does not bode well for a certain ownership group. And perhaps that is a narrative that would need to be explored at some point as well. Right. Um, there's, uh, where do we go? Okay. So that we've got the, in like basically the risk averseness, right. Or their general unwillingness to get creative. And there are little pushbacks that I could have there. Um, you know, you could point to them going to the opener idea uh, years before really anyone else did, but any kind of pushback I could have for times that they've been creative, they very rarely committed to that creative, different approach. Uh, in some ways I think they have, but I, I think the bigger thing here is just being risk averse, especially yeah. post Hampton and Nagel. Uh, 20 really years, 20 years now, that, right? Right. That's right. And, yeah. and that's a long time to be uh, totally risk adverse. And now they're shell shocked with, just free agents in general. Ian Desmond, nope. Hundred million dollar bullpen, nope. Like that's all being risk averse. And if you're not risk averse, you now you almost have to be creative, too, right? So it's it can it can be a vicious cycle at times for this organization. Yeah. Um, there's you know their inability to sign top tier free agents, and that's something that's just a very again a very real thing. That's um, you, you know you could argue I think that they could do a lot better job of overcoming that and, and maybe just blowing guys away with better deals and, and finding the right big contracts to sign here or there. But that's a thing that we know is just real. Um, uh, Coors Field being a, a ballpark that hinders success. And we'll get into the the false Coors Field narratives. But when people generally, you know, if you go and say, man, like if someone generally says Coors Field is a really hard place to win, that's just Right. That's just correct. Right. That it's just, it's just tough to do that there. And um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know of any, I, can you think of any other stadium that is a disadvantage for the home team? Right. Right. I, now that there's now, now that I'm, I'm using that to make the case that no, it's not. But again, you can make the case like, well, it's, it's one of the only 30. So I don't, I don't necessarily know what category that goes in, but again, if that's your home ballpark, if you're playing with uh, you know left field 280 feet down the left field line, and you've got a you know a 30 foot high monster that's painted green, you figure out a way to to win in that ballpark, you know, which at times Boston has been able to do that, other times not so much. So I that one I, I don't know which way you go, right? Right. Um, but I, I, we've certainly talked about you know the dimensions. Uh, the, the at the very least the outfield isn't doing anybody any favors. Right. Come on now. Right. That kind of stuff. Um, one of the things that I think cuts both ways is how young the Rockies are. They are, relatively speaking, a baby compared to most of the rest of <laughs> Major League Baseball. And that's just, you know, it's it, <laughs> sometimes you go, well, that, that should buy them maybe a little bit more time before we start expecting them to regularly compete for like division titles, because most teams don't right out of the gate or whatever. But then they're 
are other things where you just look at the modern day of baseball. Well, some of them can, and um, you know, but they they don't have this 50, 60, 100 year history to to draw on sometimes in those those downtimes. And and so that's one that just cuts a lot of different directions on them. In the Phillies, we, we think about the Phillies and you say, all right, in the last couple of decades, they've been pretty good. I mean, Jimmy mm-hmm. Rollins, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, that that whole squad, Roy Halladay, this fantastic starting rotation. You know, they went close to 100 years without winning their first World Series. It wasn't until 1980 that they finally broke through. And then you go, oh, they went to back-to-back World Series in 2008, 2009. They go out and sign a $300 million player in Bryce Harper. And you go, hey, the Phillies are a competent organization. Took them 80-some years to finally get going. So, Rockies fans, I don't want you to feel like you have to wait that long. (laughs) Right. But if you do, just know you're not alone, right? They're, They're a baby. Denver, Denver, right. a lot of the Denver sports teams, they're, they're still kids in the grand scheme of things. Adam asking a fair question. I saw other people kind of talking about this. What kinds of things could the Rockies do uh, to better show their history? And, and, you know, so like when you go around Coors Field, where is the exhibit for Ubaldo Jimenez and the only no hitter shown in the his, uh, thrown in the history of the Colorado Rockies, right? Where, or uh, the mural of John Gray's, 16 strikeout game that broke a Randy Johnson record or, you know, they, they celebrate 2007 a lot and, and pretty well, you can find a lot of stuff from that one magical year. But other than that, you know, I mentioned the Todd Helton statue outside Coors field. Uh, You, you've, you've matured past the point of your franchise's history where the player is cutting it. You've, you've had Mr. Rocky. Now his name is Todd Helton. And he's, you know, so I think there's all these kinds of things that uh, Patrick, can you think of any other things that um, they need to do to better celebrate their history? Well, straight up hall of fame. I mean, that that's all you need to do. And that's where, that's where you can have all of those yeah. items exist. You'd still like the statue outside. You'd still like something, you know, inside the stadium, as far as the hall of fame, we know that McGregor squares is supposed to have something like that. I mean, I'm very excited about it because we'd be going from zero to something, but how big is it? How extensive is it going to have, um, you know, one of those little theaters where you sit in, it's got like, you know, four benches in it. It can fit, you know, 10 people you sit down and then there's a six minute video on loop for people just to watch about the history of the organization, 95, 2007, you know, winning the wild card game in 2018. Just one of those things for people to, to sit down and watch and see all these wonderful images. You know, that would that would really be something. You know, in in the in the gift shop at, at Coors Field in the Diamond uh, Dry Goods store, they have an old Dinger mascot. Like that's something that, that right. can go in a Hall of Fame. That's something that could be on display. I mean, it would be strange if you didn't have a statue of a player outside of Coors Field and you did of a mascot, but that's something I'll, I'll take a, a bronze statue of Mr. Double Zero. Why right? not? Why not? Of course we all know he's double zero. Everyone as, as we've known for a very long Forever, time, pretty much <laughs> basically common knowledge, but yes, yeah, celebrating uh, those teams, bringing players back so that you're, you know, it, it can even just be a, a, a commemoration of the, the original 1993 club. Pick a random year, the 20th anniversary of this, whatever it is, just bring those guys back because yeah. Rockies fans love them. And if they don't, they want to learn about them. Totally. And there just needs to be more of that. Go, go to a game. And on the Concourse, I went to a, a game in uh, Mesa 
that we'll, we'll probably talk about it at Hohokam Ballpark in Oakland. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know if they charged or not. I think they may have. But on the concourse, just chilling. It was like Burt Campanaris and, um, and and another, you know, old-time Oakland A, Kansas City Athletic ball player that was there signing autographs. You know, some minor league teams will do that with players that aren't playing in that game. They sit up on the concourse. They'll sign some autographs. Rockies could do that every single game where they have totally. one former Rockies guy at every single game. A kid's coming through there, and they go, I don't know who Mike Kingery is. I know he was never an all-star. I know he didn't hit That's 100 career home runs. such a perfect example. It doesn't matter. You should My know kid this got guy. a Mike Kingery ball, and now you know what? Even though I didn't know who he was as the dad or the mom or the aunt or the uncle, <laughs> totally. now I want to learn <laughs> right? to inform my child and – Again, it, it it breeds this element of wow, man, the Rockies are really special. They need to create that, and they've created nothing. Yeah, yeah, they've they really got nothing have, right now. They really haven't done a good job of that kind of thing over the year. And the final narrative that's definitely true about the team that can be a positive or a negative, depending on who you're talking to at any given moment, is their if you want to put it as broadly as possible, their family environment or as they used to be much more open about calling it their sort of Christian environment. And they've stopped talking about that more publicly and making it more about uh, religion because I, I think they realized that that was making some people feel a little bit left out. And I think good on them for, for recognizing that, you know, they, they still have faith day and, and kind of make a big deal of that down at Coors field. Um, they, they've changed their language on this over the years, but when you, I mean, I've, I've talked to a lot of them and they'll talk about putting character first when it comes to drafting a guy. And I think there are arguments to be made there, but I also think there are arguments to be made that the, guy, the guy's the best player on the board and he just doesn't happen to quit fit your perfect definition of what you think is, is the best character. Um, you know, maybe you shouldn't be avoiding talented players just because of that. So it can limit your player pool. This is something that's been talked about before. Uh, I've never really dove hard into it because I just honestly haven't seen that strong of evidence that it actually impacts how the Rockies run their business. I, I, I think it's important for Dick Monfort and maybe it was more important for how they ran their business before I was an adult, before my time really. But, um, but it's definitely a thing. And so it's, it's something to be aware of. It, it, this doesn't come from nowhere. This is a very real thing that the Rockies, you know, think of themselves as kind of a family organization. And we've, there are more, there's more conversation to be had about the, the good and bad side of that. Sure. Yeah. It, it's a noble thing that you go, what could possibly be wrong with that? And you say, well, if you're concerned more about the individual, who they are off the field, or maybe, you know, certain beliefs and things of that nature, and you get too wrapped up in that, well, Again, are you a baseball team trying to, you know, win something like that? That should be the goal. And and sometimes you can have both of those things. You can have really great people that are good human beings and are great ball players. I mean, Trevor Story is that perfect example for the Rockies right now, and even in just you know maybe in franchise history of just a good human being that um, you know talks the talk and walks the walk as as far as you know contributing to the community and making the world a better place, but also makes his teammates better and and plays incredibly well on the team and it's and you'd, and it's, and you'd love them all to be Trevor's story wouldn't you course, you'd love right? them all to be true but they but and, and there's no way of knowing where they draw the line like we don't know hey they right. decided to sign this player instead of that player 
and right. you know what they're what the moves that they're making on the international market, the international free agents, guys from Venezuela, and and guys from Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. We don't know what they've done or what they haven't done because of those things. So, and we're never going to know. It's just it's just pure speculation. Um, and in fact, we're not going to speculate at all. But it right. you know it just it just, just is what it is. And you go, could that yeah. you know could that make things a little bit cloudy in the decision making process? Well, it's something that has to at least be thrown out there because other organizations, that's not a factor. They just, right. yeah, we just want good people. We don't care necessarily what their values are per se, if they align exactly with ours. It's just, look, we're trying to put together a, a winning ball club and, and sometimes you make moves and acquire players that might be a bit controversial and, and all teams have done it in, in some form or another, but it, it, it just has to be thrown out there, you know, and that's, we'll and some of, teams we can leave it at that. Principle. They specifically want a holes. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I would say specifically, but you're right. They're not bad at eye. Yeah. Check out some of the, uh, those Astros seem like they were searching for them. They go, let's uh, look on the back hey, of his baseball card. Not yeah. Right. Rap sheet. Uh, Hey, so one thing we know about everyone up you here, you're, you're a fan of underdogs. That's just a part of what you're doing. The Colorado Rockies have never been, over dogs there's not the what's the opposite big dog top dogs I above guess? cats above, above cats. cats they've never been above cats they've yeah, always been underdogs throughout their uh entire existence and if you feel like you know you're underdogs well now's the time to download DraftKings sportsbook app and bet on an underdog in the tournament that's right it's tournament time again bubble teams making their final push for a bid while the top seed are preparing what they hope is a long run. And America's top-rated sportsbook app, DraftKings, of course, is putting new customers in the center of the action because if you bet $4 on an underdog, you will win $256 if they win. It is that simple. You know it's more fun to root for the underdog. Now it's way way more fun to root for the underdog, especially at tournament time in college basketball. Pick an underdog. It, again, it, it's like some of these others. You're only risking four bucks. Doesn't matter that much if you know them. An upset can happen at any time in the tournament. That's what makes it one of the best sporting events in America. You bet four bucks on that underdog. Any of these select college basketball games, and if they win, you will get 256 bucks. The bank is open. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $4 into $256 if the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset. That's code DNVR to turn. Torn. I'm doing fine. $4 into $256 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Zero zero. Well, we might as well start cashing in the two hundred and fifty-six bucks today because my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week is on Tuesday's affair between Miami and Pittsburgh. Now, here's the thing with a lot of these underdog picks, it's we're only talking like a point, two points. It's not a blowout. It really is a toss. It's a pick'em. It's a 50-50 game. But in this one, I like the Hurricanes. I like what they're gonna do. They're on the road at Pittsburgh. It's minus 109, but again, if it's just a pick em and you need an underdog, my DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week is on the University of Miami, Florida, not Ohio. Go with the Hurricanes. Go with the oh. green and orange. Green and orange. Yes. Yeah. Make it happen. How many other green and orange teams are there you can even think of? That's so unique and specific. Yeah, 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 that's not good many. stuff. You got to love, you gotta love Purple and orange. orange is another one. Clemson. Yeah. 
don't see you that. Yeah, purple and orange. No. no, green and orange. My University no. of Miami. That's yeah. it. It's unique. That's pretty good. That's a good point. I like that. I like that a lot. Our guy Nathaniel Sunshine also reminding us, yes, Bear Zephyr's throwback day. We've talked about that before. Wear Any some throwback. Bear Zephyr's throwback white uniforms. White elephants. And white elephants. Yeah, all things they have can Have a throwback. Why not? Just, have a fake one. You're going to sell a bunch I of merchandise. I still think those are weird, but it's better than not. It's better than not. Yeah, why not? You've got it, – it's just a fun thing to, to talk about. Like, what's what's the harm of the turn ahead the clock? Like, I don't think you like that jersey ugly, as much, right? They're ugly. Yeah, that's the that's the harm. You look. Bad. But but are you like losing sleep over it? Where you're no. like, how no, could they can, have? Yeah. How it's fun. Dare it's not up your alley. It's <laughs> right. up other people's alley, and it's like you know Get what? You got to do a little of everything for everyone. Totally. Why not? Well, right. That goes back to my thing about like giving Todd help in the horse, which is like great, but like not thinking about the fans perspective on Todd Helton retiring. They thought about Todd Helton. They took care of Todd Helton. They took care of him his whole career through retirement. Todd Helton loves Dick Monfort, you know, but to not think what the fans want out of this momentous occasion. Yeah. Um, all right. Now let me move back into defending the team a little bit here, getting back into uh, this conversation that I'm often referring to. And I sent out a tweet a couple of days, Patrick, uh, because this is, this is actually really nice for me, believe it or not. Now that I do not expect the Colorado Rockies to be competitive. We can finally untangle two gigantic conversations, which is one, all the false narratives that we're going to get back into here. And two, this idea that the Rockies are going to compete. So since the beginning of 2017, I've had an almost impossible time entangling that for, for some people, because if I say, Oh, the Rockies farm system isn't giving getting enough credit. Well, people go, well, Drew, you're just saying that because you're also of the belief that the Rockies are going to compete and you're defending everything the Rockies do and you always defend everything the Rockies do. And so I'm just going to put that all into one big category. This is what's nice about right now. Rockies are a 75 win team. Rockies aren't going to be good. For the first time since 2013 to 2016, I'm out here just saying Rockies aren't going to be good. I can take that totally off the table and say, no, none of the arguments you are about to hear today are in the pursuit of telling you that the Rockies will be good. The end point, the end conclusion is not, therefore, Rockies good. So if your counter is, but Drew, Rockies bad. Yes, we know. That is the underlying premise. That is the one beautiful thing about the Rockies going back to just being bad right now. We can clear that off and just talk about the accuracy of the way they're talked about. Because whether or not they're terrible or not, they deserve to be talked about accurately, as is every team in baseball. And there's no value to inaccurate narratives that just make us feel better because they fall down on the side of the ultimate accurate narrative of Rocky's bad. We know. Right? Rocky's uh, bad. Rocky's bad. And the other big caveat, the other big note at the beginning before we get into the list here is to say that all of these narratives come from something that's true. Every single one of these comes from a place. So if I say a thing, you're like, but I believe that. Don't think that I'm saying that there's no reason you believe that. There's no merit to it, that you're crazy, any of that stuff. No, 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 no. All of these things arose out of a place. And that's that's going to be part of the conversation. Where did this come from and why is it? So let's talk about number 10, the one that I think is maybe the least offensive of all of them. And that is this idea of the Colorado Rockies front office as loyalists, right? This notion that the... Rockies are overly loyal to all of their players and they hang on to their guys far past their prime and they play all of their veterans over their young guys, which is kind of like a subset of this narrative category that we're in here. And, you know, you, you can see over history 
the places where this has arisen of you can do like a long list right of players that were held on past their prime um and and either just kind of faded away or were traded for less than they were worth from brad hop and justin morneau uh, jorge de la rosa it's kind of a long list yeah no it it, it is and it, that makes you scratch your head it can be frustrating and that's that's it's all part of that narrative that you know has been going on but how much truth is there to it you're that this this is where you're you've got that you've got that edge of the expert of of seeing the the full 360 right where if you see if you see 270 degrees you you, so, you can see a lot and you can probably make a pretty good judgment um but if you're only seeing 180 degrees you know you're you're missing the other half of the story so uh th this is where your your expertise in pain and misery um you know comes <laughs> comes into play <laughs> as being a rockies right. fan doctorate in pain and misery and and i i <laughs> i think that's right because I think if you've watched long enough, there's also this sort of counter narrative that I've heard. Uh, I remember when Jeff Breidich was a very, very young general manager and came out to visit Grand Junction and somebody there asked him um, why the team is always trading away their best players. This is a counter narrative, I think, of people who mostly follow star players uh, who are, are kind of casuals, who are, are upset at the Walker and Holiday and um dj now and and obviously nolan arnado which is almost a different category but there's this idea of you let go of all the players which i think there's actually far more evidence to the contrary but there is this weird you, you're kind of caught in between these two things and obviously the big ones tulo and nolan arnado are guys like well those were superstar like hall of fame talent guys and if they were loyal so loyal to every single one of their guys that they would let that loyalty overwhelm their decision making like why didn't it happen there right so it's clear that however loyal they may be it's it's not for everybody it's all the time this really is it's a case-by-case -case thing and i think that's why right. it makes the list but it's at the very end of it because it's like it's true they have been overly loyal to people in the past i don't think it's true that it's a guiding principle for every decision that they make I just think it comes up sometimes, maybe more than it would for other teams. But again, no loyalty for Tulo, Notto. They had no problem shipping Holiday out when it was time. Like they'll they'll do that, right? Right. And and they brought those guys back, right? Like De La Rosa was signed to a right. minor league deal in in 2019. Nothing really came of that. Yeah, they they like their guys. Holiday did come back. Um, you know, there's loyalty to Jeff Breidich right now. Obviously, where you go, and, yeah. and he was hired you know, within the organization, but teams do that. Teams develop their own guys and say, look, you, you kind of know the system. You brought some things from the outside, et cetera. So, you know, that's, you, you understand that that's not special just to the Rockies, but um, you know, loyal, loyal to that guy, they're loyal to their employees, which again, that's not a bad thing, right? If you look at the teams that, you know, didn't play right. employees through the pandemic, you know, the Rockies were right there in doing that. And, and, and given these young guys on the roster a chance where, Whereas, you know, they maybe can go and say, you know what, sorry, Josh Fuentes, we're not even going to bother wasting a spot on the 40-man, so we're just going to cut you so we can sign a more proven first-base guy like a Mitch Moreland. And you go, well, okay, maybe Mitch Moreland is a, is a tick better than Josh Fuentes, but A, it's not, it's not necessary. B, it's not even uh, an upgrade, you know, financially. You're, you're going to pay Mitch Moreland 
more. And B, you, you still don't necessarily know what you've got yet in Josh Fuentes. So it, it's a, it is a double-edged sword right. um, that is, is used against them, I think, more times than not. And, you know, for, for better yeah. or worse, that, that's an interesting one. Yeah. And then there's just, before we get to the next one, there's, there's always the counterexamples, right, that show that if a young guy has, has got what it takes and, and wins a spot, you know, they threw David Dahl right into the fire. They threw Eddie Butler right in the fire. It didn't work, but, it, you know, they did, they did it with John Gray. Moved him very quickly through the minor leagues. Trevor Story, you know, you're okay. You're the starting shortstop forever now, and we're not going to even wait on your clock. So there's those counterexamples as well. Um, but I, I think uh, you and Nathaniel are right to say it's really more about the GMs, and that's fair. What they've had four GMs and three, really three GMs. None of them have been fired. How you f- count Bill Guy Vet, but yeah. Well, and, and it's funny. I had a I had a conversation with. Um, with someone about, um, yeah, it was Bob, Bob Gebhard, where he was going to be fired. In fact, there was like an article that says that he was fired. And then he also resigned the same day, like same before. Dan O'Dell like a weird situation. Yeah. Yeah. Where it was like, look, we are firing you, but we're going to give you the Good. opportunity to yeah. resign. And you go, all right. And again, that's, that's not necessarily loyalty. It's just, Hey, we're going to kind of, you know, try to, put you over to a degree on your way out rather than totally shaming right, you. So. Right. Right. Okay. Number nine on the list. Uh, again, one where there's, there's some truth in this, but number nine Rockies players get better after they leave. Right. This is one you've heard a bunch. If you're a Rockies fan, you you've heard this several times. In fact, you've, you've heard this for years since like Sean Chacon and stuff like, right. Rockies players get better after they leave. This is one that I think, again, has more to do with the oversell of this point. There are plenty of players for who played for the Rockies and then gone elsewhere and been better. There are plenty of players who played for the Rockies, gone elsewhere and been worse. Uh, and it, it's one of those things that's very difficult to qualify. I think for me, obviously, the ways that it comes up that are the most frustrating we've seen most recently, right? We dumped, jumped into all the DJ LeMayhew stuff. He really didn't get better, according to any stat cast stat, leaving the Rockies. The jump to get on board, like Mike Talkman and Tom Murphy, who like had nice little stretches, but really probably not going to be things whatsoever. We'll see with Jake McGee. But again, that was the thing last year. Jake McGee pitched 20 innings. He has 20 innings in his post-Rockies. You know, So it's like he had... 20 inning stretches when he was with the Rockies when he was very good. Yeah. So this is again one of those things that I think is overblown. But there is truth in it because of something else we've talked about and we'll get back into. It's harder to play at Coors Field than it is other places. And so not having to deal with the Coors Field and hangover effect whether you're a hitter or a pitcher uh, and one other thing we'll talk about in a minute. It is easier to play baseball when you don't have to deal with all the environmental factors here. So I think there are players who have benefited from getting out of here for sure. But I don't think that that means that every single player who leaves the Rockies is going to get better because now they're in a real organization. That narrative is is troublesome and bothering. Yeah, I I, I agree with what you're saying there. What what I would I would almost change the phraseology to some of the players go to a, an organization that's a better fit for them or their style of play. Like again, sure. you, you cover DJ LeMahieu and you say the, you know, all these home runs are going to be outs and there's a short right field porch and he goes the opposite way a lot. And those are totally. getting caught, right. you know, 
you know, five steps in front of the warning track at Coors <laughs> Field, but it's a home run at Yankee Stadium. And I think, you know, and we'll kind of touch on that. Like, why is it that the Rockies can't find the right players that fit at Coors Field? Because those guys, they go elsewhere and they're the exact same player, but because of that new location or a shorter period of time to evaluate their abilities, you go, oh, they were better elsewhere. Like, we all know you know, Nolan Arenado, top three in NL MVP this year. I mean, how much of a lock is that? And you go, right. not because no one's talking about like, well, the Cardinals, they know how to develop these guys and they know how to look what they did with Paul <laughs> Goldschmidt. They fixed, right. You know, he was good with Arizona, but he was great with the Cardinals. No, you just know right. the, the narrative is going to change, which is a whole, which is there's, there's two points there to talk about you know, guys getting better or what it looks like to be better and who's seeing that, you know, who's deciding that this guy is better when statistically in a lot of ways, you know, maybe they're exactly the same, but, but the narrative is changing. So are they getting better? There's not necessarily definitive proof of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I find the articles when whenever someone leaves the Rockies, goes to another team that, that tries to say, oh, coach so-and-so unlocked this thing. And it's just like, uh, let's maybe pump our brakes on some of that. Though, as we said, they, they often recontextualize themselves. Number eight, this one is just a big category having all to do with false narratives around Rockies fans. I think there are a lot of false narratives when it comes to Colorado Rockies fans, honestly. We're kind of stuck out here in our own time zone, right? We're all isolated. There's this weird thought and narrative. And, and so I think, first of all, that's one of them is that maybe Rockies fans, because of the isolation, you know, they really only know their own team. And again, there, I think there's a reality of that, that, that comes out of, well, they're the only team that plays at your time, right? So like if you're on the East coast and you want to watch uh, the Mets game and the Braves game and the Marlins game, all teams that are in the same division. If they're all playing divisional games, they all start at the same time. You can flip back and forth between all of them and they'll all end at the same time. Now you're done watching baseball. But if you're a Rockies fan, the game starts at a weird time for everybody else. All the other games on the East Coast have started. The West Coast games haven't gotten started yet. And you might not have the schedule to watch everybody else's game. You haven't gotten off work yet when the East Coast games are going on. And you've got to go to bed to get up for work tomorrow before the West coast games have finished. And so you don't have time to watch all the other teams. So I get where that comes from. Uh, there's, there's also an element of, we, we talked about, you know, Hey, Rockies fans, here's what you could do. Instead of going to opening day and in, in Colorado, go to San Francisco. Cause they're going to have uh, a home opener there at Pac Bell park. And no, I mean, Oracle park and, and go see the Rockies there in the first game in San Francisco and travel. That's really hard to do. San Francisco is pretty far away. Like you go to a Diamondbacks game, 13-hour yeah. drive. If you're, again, you have to fly, right? So Or a 13-hour drive. Um, and San Diego is like 16 hours. So you're almost not even driving. It's You're not going to do that. But if you're like a Phillies fan, if you're in that area, I mean, you can drive. Go you can drive to the, yeah. You can go everywhere. I mean, Boston's going to be, you know, five hours away. Go to a Mets game, hour and a half. You go down to Baltimore, D.C., it's two, two and a half hours. I mean, you can go play Pittsburgh. They're not even in your division, and that's going to be like a four-hour drive. Yeah. Like, you can just – these are day trips, people. These are day right. trips, and you don't have that ability right. if you live in Colorado to go see your team 
on the road and explore, you know, other venues and other teams and their histories and whatnot. It's a lot harder. It can be very insular. On the flip side, I, I do think there's a flip side of that, which is that hardcore Rockies fans or people who've really been following the sport of baseball since the Rockies have existed. So mm-hmm. since at least 1993 tend to be better educated about all the other teams in baseball than they are right. about their own for, and, and this is what's really bizarre to me because I do think that again, I've got like family members like, Oh, Rockies fans only know the Rockies. So like you know, hardcore Rockies fans have grown up watching documentaries about the Yankees and the Cubs and the Dodgers and were a lot of us were Braves fans for the first 10 or 15 years of our lives because people forget for the first half of their existence almost the Colorado Rockies weren't regularly on TV so I had as much of a a daily attachment to the Atlanta Braves as a youth as I did the Rockies and there was more exploration than local papers would write as much about the Dodgers and the Cubs and the Cardinals because of transplant fans being here and knowing they could they could get their paper done that way and so i think there is this other side of it where the hardcore rockies fans really know the rest of the baseball world quite well because the only way for them to get baseball content like for me but from the time i was five till the time i was end of college was like national papers and espn stuff they never talked about the rockies so i had to learn about all the other teams by default you know, <laughs> and and what's and what's the story now? Because the MLB at bat app has been around for at least a decade, it's so you can shift, watch all right? the you can watch all the games of all the teams. So that shouldn't be necessarily the case. However, again, you look at the population of of Denver and Colorado. All these people moving in. I'm one of them in the past decade who moved to Colorado. So now you're a hardcore Rockies fan. You got a friend who roots for the Cardinals. You got a friend who roots for the Yankees, who roots for the Royals, the Mets, the Cubs. And so, again, even in modern times, before Atlanta and TBS and all that, you still have these hardcore Rockies fans who are getting a good feel of what's going on with the other 29 teams because all your friends aren't from this area either, more than not, if you're an adult. And so you hear about their teams, and you got to know, and you got to you know bone up on it so you could kind of put them in their place and go – no, here's why the Mets are still not going to win the NL East with Francisco Lindor and company. And the last thing I'll say about Rockies fans, and, and I'll admit to having done this several times too, is we've got to stop treating, like I get some of the transplants are annoying as hell. Look, guys, I get it. I've seen it. I've seen it. But we've got to stop treating the whole transplant thing like it's this terrible thing for Coors Field and for our community and that all the transplants fans are only fans of their Cardinals or their Cubs, or their Mets, or their Giants. I mean, Kristen's a perfect example, right? Our own, I don't know, you're a perfect example of somebody who, you know, would just as well seem, hey, if the Mets do great, there's a party that's going to like, go, man, go Mets, look at them go. And if the Rockies do great, you're going to go, man, I'm from here now too. Like this idea that you have to be one thing, everybody I've known that's been a Cubs fan first, I've known, that's probably the one I've known the most, people who are Cubs fans first, they're also Rockies fans second. And if the Rockies are in the postseason and the Cubs are not, they'll be right there buying all the merchandise and educating people about this guy and that guy and the other. And they're real fans too. So that's another thing that, yeah, they may show up and they may root for the team that their parents grew up watching first, but they're still Rockies fans. We can't turn that into a dichotomy. Yeah, that, and that's true. I think of all fan bases, this idea that totally. Pittsburgh Pirates suck. 
So when they get good, as long as it doesn't come at the expense of the Rockies, you go, yeah, go Pirates. I, I want those poor people of Pittsburgh to be able to, you know, win a World Series for the first time in in, in quite some time, 1970. But it's been a long time, right? And we, we saw them finally. Clint Hurley was able to get them over the hump. So yeah, you root for those those underdogs, and 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 I think Rockies fans, <laughs> the Rockies fans are the underdogs, man. Root for us. Totally right. Well, more more thoughts on underdogs in a second, but uh, Strava Craft Coffee, not underdogs. They're over cats. They're delicious, absolutely, potentially life changing Strava Craft Coffee. You know, you got to get some. I'm not joking at the beginning of every show when I say it's potentially life altering. It really has been for me. I drink Strava Craft Coffee every morning. The CBD is non psychoactive. Gets into your system, keeps you nice and calm, doesn't let any of those jitters or those crashes that normal coffee can get to you. Maybe sometimes the old coffee used to make me like way hungrier than I needed to be earlier in the day, stuff like that. It's just a much smoother experience drinking your coffee, getting the energy you need to in a healthy way so that I can do my morning yoga and get going. Uh, I'm telling you, you love it. If you're a new customer, use code dnvr20 you'll get 20 percent off if you're a second time user use dnvr25 you'll get 25 percent off that strava craft coffee it's absolutely delicious and i'm not joking it really could change your life for the better uh, as can our friends over at chevalier mortgage who can get you hooked up with all kinds of fantastic rates they can actually believe it or not make a home buying or loan getting or refinancing process not just smooth, but even potentially fun because they know all about your Colorado sports. They can chat with you about all this stuff, which narratives are bothering them the most these days, uh, whether or not they're underdogs or overcats. This is apparently the thing that we're doing now. And so, you know, they're protectors of the realm, though. So go to dnvrmortgage.com to find out a little bit more about Mike and Virginia Chevalier. You can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat and you get entered or you just get a free consultation to discuss all of your options right there at dnvrmortgage.com. You can call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 or Mike at 970-412-2472. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006 and Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right, we move on now to Number seven on the list, altitude and the body is what I've named Mm. this category. Now, this is one where I don't think there's actually a false narrative. For most of these, you can find like articles or like people going out there and saying the wrong thing, right? In my estimation, that's the wrong thing. This is not one. You know, hear ye, hear ye, altitude, no big deal on the body. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. Like that's not really an article, right? This is more about its prioritization. When we talk about the things that impact the Rockies' ability to build winners, we talk about Coors Field. We talk about the budget. We talk about Dick Monfort and Jeff Breidich and their ability to do this, that, or the other. We talk about. We don't talk nearly enough about what altitude does to the body, the way it makes it difficult in a marathon sport to play your best all the time. Uh, and, and I think a lot of this is just that we don't have definitive science on this, but it's just pretty well known. I, I don't think too many people argue against it. It just needs to be a bigger part of the conversation. No, it does for sure. And, you know, if even if we look to some other sports um, and other countries, I mean, we kind of understand the the value of of playing at altitude or the impact, I should say. You know, Mexico, um, their their soccer team, you know, for many years just – Team USA could never beat Mexico 
in Mexico City at Stadio Azteca because of the altitude. And guys just had a hard time, you know, climatizing or uh, acclimating, I should say, to, you know, that environment. That's that's a singular game, but you're running back and forth. And, like, that has definite impact on a player. And the Rockies play there. They're, they're there for essentially three months out of the season. And that has a lot of wear or tear on the body. And it's, it's, it's not great. It's great for, you're going to feel good when you, when you come down long enough, you know, if you, if you train at altitude again, the the greatest, the greatest uh, Olympians train in Colorado Springs, you know, for a reason, but they train there and then they go and they, they, once they're done with their training, they go elsewhere at sea level to perform. Right. The Rockies stay and perform at altitude and and then they get to go for half the season. It's, it's insane. It's it's it, wild. It really it's something is. that if if you were if you were simulating some kind of baseball league or something, you would go. Well, no, no team should go play at this crazy right. advantage or disadvantage. Right now, for the Rockies, it's been a disadvantage. It it would be like playing under the ocean, and you go, yeah, but Atlantis has a population of <laughs> yeah, well, you know, five million. Uh, they're going to build a new, you know, underwater stadium. It's it, it's insane. You would go. Well, obviously, you wouldn't have a team down there. The Rockies are the exact opposite. <laughs> totally, right? Um, and, and this fits in actually really well with uh, number six, which I've broadened out to broadly call keeping up with the Dodgers, right? This is a, a narrative that comes up a lot where people start talking about how, well, the Rockies have to do X, Y, or Z because the Dodgers did A, B, or C. And I think that, you know, talking about the altitude and like you said, you know, the travel to California and and all the ridiculous things that they have to go through just gets compounded when then you realize that all that traveling out to California, we've talked before, they play in the wrong damn division. They shouldn't even be in the division with all of the California teams. That's super frustrating. Um, But for me, the bigger deal is more, and, and I think you'll like this analogy, uh, it's uh, where are we at 53 minutes. So we've got to fly through these last couple, but also get our wrestling talk in because for me, uh, we've sort of talked about this before, but here's the analogy that makes it make sense. The Los Angeles Dodgers of Brock Lesnar or Hulk Hogan or John Cena or Roman Reigns or, or whatever they are. That's who they are. That's who they're always going to be. They're the big dog. They're bigger. They're stronger. They have more resources and they're always going to have that built in. You're never going to be the bigger guy in the fight. The Rockies are never going to be the bigger guy in the fight. They're always going to be the smaller guy. The Rockies are like a high flyer. A lot of people would rather them be like a technical guy. So maybe Shawn Michaels, you get a couple championships. Now the Rockies are Rey Mysterio, right? So they're they're the, the like you you maybe get it. The Rockies one trip to the World Series is like when Mysterio got to hold the championship for like a day before John Cena just slapped it right back out of his hands. Right? That's the Boston Red Sox. Just give me that thing back. Right. But that's who the Rockies are. They are the much smaller guy in the fight. And they're always going to be that. And, and I think sometimes just when we talk about those two teams, people, oh, the Dodgers signed this guy. That means the Rockies got to ca- catch up by signing this guy. It's like, no, you don't beat the Dodgers by trying to out body slam them. You counter their moves. You got to do your own little thing. Right. So that's my wrestling analogy for you. <laughs> that's good. That is good. It's, you know, I, I think. You're, you're right. Like they are a beast in and of themselves, you know, with their budget that they have. And so you're right. I, I, I think trying to kind of do everything exactly the same as the Dodgers is, is an impossibility because the Dodgers, you know, do everything well. However, and this is where I would slightly disagree is like 
they need to do one thing as well as the dominant. Like they, they just need to be a specialist in one area where they say, all right, look, we're just going to have to dominate the international market. And if we, if we get a, you know, a bad crop of, of players over a couple years time, then we're going to be in a rebuilding pattern. That's fine. Because when you strike gold on that international market and that's where you crush, you're going to have, you know, a team full of Ryan Maltapia type guys, if not better, Juan Soto's, Ronald Acuna's, you know, all of those players. And you go, sure, there right. you go. But you have to dominate. So the Dodgers are great everywhere. The Rockies are never going to be great everywhere. And they can't. They, they, they can't. Padres right. can't be great everywhere. Right. But if you can dominate one area and get really good at it or just have that great analytics right. department. And that's what the conversation but that's, that's what the conversation what, should be, right? right? Yeah, that's right. what it should be rather than when people come out and go, "Why don't they do?" And it's like, "Well, cuz they can't. They can't. They just can't keep up with the Dodgers and um yeah, so the 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 money is a real issue. I know we all love to point out the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays and all that stuff, but that just because some people have managed to overcome it a little bit sometimes in a way kind of doesn't mean that having way more money isn't a built-in advantage, just like being the much bigger guy in the fight. But like you said, that doesn't mean you can't figure out a way to take down the bigger guy in the fight. That's where the Rockies fail, but not in trying to be the bigger guy. Never going to be the bigger guy. Never. The Rockies finally have the best pitching staff. Well, not finally, because up to this point, there already was a best pitching staff. (laughs) Sure. Not finally, but they've got their, their best starting rotation with a bunch of guys with two eyes. And the Dodgers have guys out there pitching with one eye open. Yeah. That's who the Rockies are going against in the Los right. Angeles Dodgers. Right. We see you, Trevor Bauer. Right. We see you in your one eye. Uh, so number five, this is a big one that we've talked about a lot. And I was really happy that uh, a recent guest, Hunter Riser from MLB Network Radio, came on and basically made this argument for me and did so in a way I was never expecting because – he mentioned Keith Law, of all people, somebody I actually personally had an argument with about six years ago, would have been around 2014, 2015 on Twitter, about this very thing and about how the Colorado Rockies farm system is oftentimes misevaluated simply because it's difficult to evaluate them. And the Rockies create this problem to some degree on their own. But again, that doesn't change the fact that they're not well evaluated and Keith law that he recently came out and said that made me very, very happy because he used to not admit that in the slightest. So admitting that, yeah, the Rockies don't share their data and, you know, for better or worse. And again, there's a lot of arguments you can get into about whether or not that's a good thing for the farm system. But the fact of the matter is individual evaluations of Colorado Rockies players when they're younger tend to be more off because there's just less information about them. That's just, the nature of having less information. And so that's why you see this happen. And it's really frustrating for young players to, to, you know, try to unpack a narrative, but um, this is one that is to, like I said, to a large degree, the Rockies own making uh, the one thing that isn't, that's always been the, that's super frustrating is, and I've seen it before scouts writing down Coors stuff in their actual player evaluations you know this was as recent as kyle freeland in double a well the guy's got a 412 era in double a so he goes up against major leaguers and at coors field it's obviously going to be a 650 he's a bust you know that's the kind of coors field before you've even gotten their crap that that is not of the rockies on making the other thing a little bit their own fault right yeah it definitely makes it hard if, if you're trying to evaluate players and you know you've got the other 29 teams 
you know, giving you a lot of uh, data, a lot of information and stuff that they all share with one another. And you think like, why would they want to do that? Well, it's, again, it, it's all part of, of everything. Just because one team has information on a, on a guy doesn't mean they're now going to steal that guy out from underneath you in, in a trade. You, you like this player too, so you just don't trade him. So, but if they're all operating under the same general guidelines, they're overall going to make, you know, better decisions. Um, but yeah, the, the Rockies, they kind of hold on to those things. They don't, that's something that, you know, is, is probably one of those true narratives is that, is that the, the Rockies, they don't play ball like everybody else. Right. Um, and is that the reason why they're still looking for that, you know, first NOS championship? Maybe. I don't Maybe. think it has anything to do with it. I, I really don't. I, I think that's the media taking out their frustrations of their lack of access on the Rockies. Like, fine, you're not going to give us information. Then we're not going to give your players the benefit of the doubt. And it, I think it happens a well, lot. That, yeah, for that. And, but I just mean in, in general, the fact that general, they do things sure. differently. They don't sure. have a team president, all those things. Well, um, again, it's, it's all, it's all mixed in with the narrative. Yeah, where those, you go, there's yeah. some truth. There's some, there's some fiction there. Right. Um, okay. Here we go. Here's the last big one. Cause really the top three are ones we've talked about a lot. And so we can kind of just mention and we'll continue to right. talk about their, their really big ones that we're always going on about, but this number four that we've touched on, I'll maybe do an article on this so I can get everybody some specifics, but it really bothers me. And that's the surrounding building constructions or to put more specifically party deck and McGregor square put plainly, please stop making these into negative things. Please stop. The party deck and McGregor square are good things for you, for the Rockies, for the community, for everybody. There is no way in which they are a detriment from your team, unless you really want to, we'll talk about that in just a second. Like if you want, if you want to make an argument about mentality with no, concrete evidence you can do that but tangibly the party deck and mcgregor square funds come from different ownership groups groups that are funded by taxpayers that means people who don't care a lick about whether or not the colorado rockies ever win a single game ever are putting money to make sure that the buildings and the area are taken care of and that money can't go to buying pictures and stuff that would that would be stealing would be stealing from taxpayers it has to go to make the building better the building across the street better all this stuff and that's what they've done now other ownership have done that they've stolen from their fans from their taxpayers it's actually relatively common the colorado rockies are believe it or not the gold standard for building a stadium and actually having it improve the surrounding area I highly recommend, I know a lot of people don't necessarily like John Oliver because he does a lot of political stuff. Google or go on YouTube, just do John Oliver stadiums. It's not political at all. It's just about the building and construction of sports stadiums. What happens with the local economy? What's happened here in Lodo, if you don't know, is by far the exception to the rule. It doesn't Correct. typically work this way. And because yeah. owners don't yeah, let it. So what Dick Monfort is doing by creating things like the party deck in McGregor Square is putting money back into the community and making it so that they can raise more money. Because when people buy beer at the party deck, you can use that to buy a pitcher. It's actually kind of a clever workaround. So th this, this one for me just really does bother me because these are great projects that if they weren't done, the Rockies would be more like these other owners. Like the whole idea of Dick Monfort sitting in his office and laughing his way to the bank because they don't care if the team is competitive because of all the transplants. It's like, 
know, the people who don't do stuff like building party decks and McGregor squares and those, those are the guys laughing their way to the bank. So. Yeah. And you have to wonder, you know, with, with the lease of course field, uh, approaching the point in which it was going to be up, you have to wonder if, you know, the party deck wasn't some kind of last ditch effort to say, Hey, you know what, let's try this thing because shoot, we might, might need a, another brand new stadium. It sounds crazy, but stadiums nowadays don't last as long as they once did. And so, Hey, we got about, you know, four or five years left on this. So in the, that 2013, 14 off season, they go and, and renovate, you know, right field and turn into the party deck that ended up, I think in many ways, you know, keeping the Rockies here. I think, I think the analogy is, and, and this isn't right. It's almost like if you, if you befriend a neighbor and you know that, you know, the, the father works really hard and he's maybe not always around and, and it doesn't spend as much time with the family as you would, as, as you would like. And you know, the family misses their dad, et cetera, et cetera. And then the dad goes out and buys a new car and you're like, you know what? You should be spending less time buying a new car for yourself and more time with your family. And you go, even if he was driving his old car, I mean, you would still say the exact same things about his relationship to the family and spending his time. Exactly it was, right. It just makes you hate them a little bit more. And you go, oh, totally. that new car. It's that new car. That's right. the problem. That's the problem. The problem was still there even with the old car. Uh, that's such a great analogy. That's a, that's a perfect analogy. That's right. That's right. It has nothing to It's not the new car. It might look bad, but it, it has nothing right. to do with it. Bad optics and all that. Bad optics. But it really shouldn't be. With this is one where again, sure. why I want to do these conversations because this is one right. of the very few things that every Rocky fan should be able to celebrate, and everyone should be able to say, "Man, isn't it great?" Because like Atlanta and Miami have gotten in big, big trouble for not doing stuff like this. Like yeah. very serious. And and again, it's nice to remember to step outside and remember that the Rockies are a member of the Denver community. And it's a city of a whole lot of people, one of the fastest growing cities in the world. And not everybody there cares about baseball, but a lot of them get the benefits of that stadium. And so, um, yeah, uh, the top three here, we can run through them really quickly. But like I said, these are ones we're talking about all the time. These are the ones that Rockies fans know by heart, fall asleep to wake up to thinking about them every day. Three, we've talked about every success the Colorado Rockies have ever had is a fluke, Right. That's something where you can go back and look over the years and go, okay, you can see why people might call 2007 a fluke and okay, their run differential in 18 and these different things. But it, it really does get back to all this other stuff we've talked about where not recognizing the difficulty of all the things the Colorado Rockies have to overcome. And so when they have success rather than to go, oh man, look at what they did. This notion to be like, well, we didn't see this coming and we all predicted they'd be crap. So this must be a fluke. But it just, it, that one gets exhausting. Damned if you do, damned if you don't in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, that's pretty much what, yeah, what's going on there. Uh, we've talked about a lot, number two, the inconsistency with the Colorado Rockies and postseason awards, right? This is maybe uh, the single most famous one because we talk more about awards. Is like, why is Matt Holiday not the MVP, but then a couple of years later, Ubaldo Jimenez not in the top two for Cy Young? Like, if, like those two stats can't both be this, or 
you know, Kyle Freeland not being Cy Young and Nolan Arenado not winning MVP. It's like, well, if everybody at Coors Field gets that much of a boost to their stats, then what the hell? <laughs> and, and that's and that ties in with what we talked about previously about players getting better. We all can acknowledge that Nolan Arenado, well, he's going to be you know a top MVP candidate with maybe identical stats, but he's just on a different team. Why? How? Right. That th- those things should should line up like that. Yeah. And, and I will say, and this is one of those things that I'm not sure you could check. I'd love to try to do a study of this sometimes of like national papers of just inaccuracies. Like, obviously, I'm going to notice the ones about the Rockies more often. I assume a lot of, you know, lower third teams in baseball have inaccurate things written about them. But I, I just see them constantly forgetting that like Scott Oberg was on the team last year was a big one from MLB.com. Uh, things like. Uh, the biggest one that I always stick out, which was part of the reason I got into this business in the first place, was the first com- the first question to Clint Hurdle after they won game 163 in 2007. They were getting ready for the NLDS was, hey, can you tell us a little bit about your team? Because we don't really know anything about these guys, which is just like, then learn, dude. Then do you learn. play in a is different there- city? I mean, <laughs> you're, so you're the Colorado Rockies. So, right. you know, how do you know what's, what city you're going to be playing right. in? And how is that is there an advance okay? notice? Are you going to play a three-game set in the Springs? Or do you ever go in Grand Junction? What? You cover right. baseball? Right. What are you <laughs> even talking about? And, of course, it all ties in. The big umbrella, the big stinky fart that <laughs> rolls over the whole entire situation, as everyone knows, is the Coors thing. Just all the confusion about what Coors Field does to statistics that we're still even learning about. And so that's where you do have to give people some kind of credit to be like, it's difficult. I get it. It's hard to look at a 390 ERA and go, wow, that guy's pitching really well. Like what are you talking about? Like, I know it's tough and we have a lot of unpacking to do there and a lot of work to do. But again, the fact remains you know, it, it, this is everything. This is everything from it must be easy to hit home runs at Coors Field to they've always been an offensive team when the stats we've been running through over this offseason show, maybe they've always been a pitching team. And what's crazy is it's like both of those things can't be true, right? Right. <laughs> that, that's, they, they, they can't. They just And can't. yet mm, they might be. Right. And so, and that's why we dive deeper and deeper into the analytics here and why the Rockies need to dive deeper and deeper into the analytics here. It's the panacea for the entire question. You want to fix how big the outfield is? I bet there are numbers that can tell you exactly how to do that. You want to solve the problem of, you know, getting gun shy rather than being overly loyal about certain players of this, that, or the other thing. Some analytics are going to help you figure this stuff out and knowing exactly you know, we've talked about the problems with ERA plus and OPS plus and WRC plus the Rockies need to have a better stat. They need their own better stat than that. And if they don't have it, they, 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 they need to be working on it. You know that. So, so that's the kind of thing that, because there, I don't think there's a definitive answer to, it's a very difficult narrative to overcome, but everything that follows, you know, the Rockies from, well, if a guy goes out there, his batting average should automatically jump up 20 points. Any of this stuff, it's just, we all know it's not true. It's why just typing Coors has become a meme on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. But it's difficult to defeat. We need to defeat it with specifics. And, you know, we're, we're close, but we don't have them yet. And the Rockies clearly don't have them yet either. So as with all these things, the false narratives 
but that doesn't mean there's nothing that can be done about them. And doesn't mean the Rockies don't need to be front and center about changing them. Yeah, they're the ones. They're the ones who have the power. We're the we're the ones who who are covering the team and and the fans out there. The ones that kind of have to deal with all that can't change anything. We can't do anything about that. I mean, we can do a better job in 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 our conversations that we have and and correcting people and the media has a role to play here for sure. No, right. Yeah, and 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 slowly over time, like we we saw Mad Dog this off season, like come out of almost left field and you go, hey, he knows that when the Rockies go to Miami. That curveball looks a lot different. That slider is yep. cutting out of the zone, you know, an extra inch and a half, two inches, whatever it may be. Um, so, so we can do that. But you're right; the Rockies can do a lot more than all of us combined. And I think that's a, that's a narrative we all want to see. Right. Come to fruition. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us for this one. Really appreciate it. Thank you to Ryan, by the way, who suggested this on Twitter. Uh, there were a few other people who were, who were a bit more aggressively trying to get me to do this, kind of demanding that I do this. So I appreciate that Ryan just sort of suggested that it might be interesting to listen to. I appreciate I appreciated your respectful talk there. Thank you all for hanging out with us. Make sure you're following on social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick V. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You're subscribing to the DNVR.com. So you don't miss out on any of that written content, a lot more written content these days, because, you know, there's baseball games and stuff. It, it really helps. Uh, you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks. You get a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar, which I think is soon to be last call going on later. So we're going to be able to be open later there. All that stuff's going to be good. Keeping by all the rules, doing that stuff, but making sure we're having fun, safe fun with all you out there. We really do appreciate you. Thank you so much for continuing to be absolutely awesome. We promise you that we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. Hey, we hope that show managed to put a smile on your face. And we know plenty of DNVR listeners over the years have switched over to Green Mountain Dental Group, and it has become their permanent family dentist. We highly recommend you do the same. They've reached out to us, let us know how great their experience was, thanked us for letting them know about such a wonderful place. And honestly, there's nothing more rewarding than hearing from our listeners. So let us know. When you've made that switch, head over to Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood, just 15 just 15 minutes outside of downtown Denver. Uh, they'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam today. You won't regret it. Check them out at Green Mountain Dental Group.